This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. There has to be something at the core of a brand that is authentic. It can't just all be manufactured and created, no matter how talented the branding team is, no matter how on point or on trend the messages you come up with. If it does, if it's not rooted in reality, if there's not something in your values, in your mission, and in your reason for being that's tied to that brand, I think it all it doesn't hang together. And you know, very interestingly, I think we for a long time we're probably not that good. And we're still getting better at the like art and science of branding. But what carried us through and what has what continues to still carry us through is the authenticity of the brand. This was Nick Green, the co-founder and CEO of Thrive Market, a membership-based online platform that makes healthy living easy and accessible to all. Since launching back in 2014, Thrive Market has grown to more than a million paying members and has become a touchstone example of a mission-driven company at scale. In addition to offering great natural and organic products at affordable prices, for every paid membership, the company donates a free year of membership to a family in need. The business has also been recognized as a leader in regenerative agriculture, carbon-neutral shipping, and zero-waste operations. And in 2020, became the nation's largest grocer to receive B Corp certification, as well as a certified great place to work. Nick and his three co-founders set out to launch a Costco meets Whole Foods concept, which is insanely ambitious and a remarkable story seeing where Thrive is today. Needless to say, this interview delivered so many insights into today's zeitgeist, technology, and consumer expectations. And it was an immense pleasure being able to talk with Nick about the way in which his brand continues to grow with a strong guiding star and our planet's health top of mind. But before we dive in, one quick ask. If you want to hop on monthly mentorship calls with me while offsetting some of the costs of bringing Hitting the Mark to you every three weeks, then join an intimate group of brand strategists and entrepreneurs from across the globe by heading over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to do so. And without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Nick. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me. Really great to have you. Um, you know, one, one Sunday last month, I opened the New York Times business section, as I do on all Sundays, and I got to read a wonderful full-page interview with you. And then a few minutes later, I had my show editor reach out uh, to Alisa, and uh, and I'm, I'm so so grateful that you could actually make the time today. So Thrive Market grew to more than 1 million paying members and became a touchstone example of a mission-driven brand at scale. It was, it was you and three other co-founders who started the company. How did the four of you get together and what sparked the desire to launch something as lofty as what many describe as a Costco meets Whole Foods? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and there there were four of us, so there's um, you know many threads that converged to to one. But the original you know the original vision for the company, as I was telling you before we we hopped on the podcast itself, was um, 
was from my co-founder's childhood. Uh, he grew up on a communal farm in Ojai, California, where they were uh, doing wholesale buying organic produce back in the 80s, I guess, 70s and 80s in his case. And, uh, you know, before organic was a thing and, you know, he saw the transformative effect it had on his family, on his own health, on his community, um, when his, when, when they moved to the commune and, uh, he was a serial entrepreneur, but I always had this like thought in the back of his head, how could we bring that to the masses? Um, I had a childhood that was very different. Um, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, in kind of the you know, middle-class middle America, so to speak. Um, and at a, you know, at a time and in a place and at a kind of socioeconomic level where health wasn't really on people's radars and access wasn't really, it just, it just wasn't a thing. Um, and yet I had a mom who was very committed to, uh, in spite of those challenges, in spite of those obstacles, uh, making, uh, uh keeping our family healthy. Um, she came from a large Mexican American family. Um, lots of obesity, lots of diabetes, um, all sorts of things that she was determined to make sure didn't affect her kids. Um, and so I saw how hard she worked to make healthy decisions. I saw her try to do it on a budget. I saw her do it without a health food store uh, nearby. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I had always admired that and it, and it cemented for me just the value of health in my own personal life um, and the transformative effect it can have for, for individuals and, and family. And so, you know, fast forward 30 years, um, I met Gennar. He actually pitched me on investing in what at the time he was thinking about as a Groupon for healthy food. Hmm. So he wanted to do group buying events, much like they did the wholesale buying back on the commune. And, you know, the, the business model was very different than where we ultimately landed. You alluded to this, like Whole Foods meets Costco online, uh, which we'll, we'll talk more about, I'm sure. But the vision, the mission was identical. It was make healthy and sustainable living easy, affordable, accessible to everybody. And, you know, it was sort of like, just, it hit me really hard. I was, I was also a serial entrepreneur. I just sold a company, um, you know, wasn't even necessarily planning on starting the next thing I was investing. Uh, and by the end of that meeting, I was pitching him on doing it together. So <laughs> that got the two of us together. And then, you know, we, uh, had many trials and tribulations in those first six months and quickly realized we needed a technical co-founder that brought Sasha in. Uh, and then actually, you know, relevant to this podcast, uh, our co-founder Kate was really central on the brand side. So she had a background in content and media uh, and fashion uh, and brought those sensibilities to, you know, uh, uh, what pre prior to her was an all-male team that didn't really get, I would say, lifestyle branding. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, she actually, the crucial ingredient she brought to the table was actually the name Thrive. Uh, we were thinking about naming the company Shop Tribe um, until um, until Kate <laughs> came into the picture and said, hey, guys, that is, that is not going to fly. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. That is... Um... You know that that is such a fantastic story because I can I can just see, you know, a, a couple of founders sitting together and calling it Shop Tribe because we want to create a tribe and it's about shopping. Let's do this. Um, and, uh, and 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 then you know someone from the branding side comes in and says, "Hey, we we gotta we gotta touch those emotional, you know, triggers." Exactly. She's like, <laughs> "That is that is way too literal and not remotely aspirational." And I think um, this is so funny because we're like we're, we're a couple of minutes <laughs> into this podcast, but I think that that is such a huge uh, that is su such a huge insight because so many founders are sitting around the table and they do that. They figure out like how can we describe exactly what we do, and and in reality, you should describe 
why you do it or how you do it, right? Because the why and the how always win over the what, right? In the long term. And it's such a great, it's such a great example. So yay to her joining. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, I, I would even add to that to say it's, it's why you do it, how you do it. And also how do you make people feel, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I think getting out of that literal mentality of like, you know, describing our business is a shopping tribe to, you know, what are we, what, what is the experience that our members are going to have when they become part of this community? And that's about thriving. And, you know, that, uh, there's a whole story by the way, too, on how we, once we made, once we made that, that change, realizing how crowded a space the the term thrive is. Oh, I'm sure. World. I and, am sure. You know, an adventure as we tried to buy the domain thrive market and, uh, you know, various, uh, uh, trademark uh, uh, adventures that we've had through the years, but you know, honestly, it was among a very small number of just absolutely critical decisions that we made that set the tone for what the business became. I like how you call it trademark adventures. <laughs> that's a true. That's a true that's a, entrepreneur. <laughs> oh yeah, a bit of a euphemism, but we, 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 for I just would. Guy. I just would call it complete nightmares. But for you, it was an adventure. It's just part of doing business. Um, that's that's fantastic. And so that that original um, mission uh, in that vision has it changed over the years, or are you? Is is that really? Are, are you still fighting that good fight? You know, it really has not changed, not the mission. Um, you know, the vision of making healthy and sustainable living easy, affordable, accessible, like the language, the words, um, and what that means to us is exactly the same. And I think, you know, the power of, and we'll, we'll get into this, but the power of our brand is that it's really directly flows from the mission. Uh, and, you know, it's two sides of the same coin, basically, like the mission is the brand and vice versa. Um, and because that mission was so authentic, you know, first to Gennar and myself, but, you know, we, you know, we didn't get into this, but also deeply personal to both, uh, Sasha and Kate, um, you know, it, it was kind of like in the D isn't our DNA as a company from, from day one. And, you know, it's interesting. Like a lot of people have said, like, how is that possible? Hasn't that been like, isn't it kind of a straitjacket to not be able to, to shift and adapt over time? And how have you done that over seven or eight years? You know, I actually think it's been uh, the opposite. It's enabled us to be infinitely flexible in what we do and how we execute and where we go in the service of that mission. So the the, the by, by keeping our eye on the North Star, it's actually mm-hmm. made us a much more versatile organization. You know, like we started as a retailer, for example, but then we saw that our you know in many cases we weren't able to get products. Uh, at the quality standards that we needed, at the price levels that we that our members uh, needed to afford them, so we started launching our own products. And you know, eight years later, we have a hundred million dollar plus annual you know, revenue brand in Thrive Market itself. Hmm. So we're a we're a CPG company, we're a retailer. You know, I, I mentioned bringing Sasha on, realizing we had to build a technology company, um, and you know that is I think the 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 vision, the mission, the north star has stayed the same. And it's actually created this like very flexible and adapted uh, organization that's uh, you know done whatever it takes to service the mission. I, th- I think that is th- this is wonderful, right? Because if you don't, yes, yes, you, it, it keeps you flexible, but it also creates these guardrails that you know that there's this one goal, and that goal has not changed over the years. But how you get there changes, and, and it might it might keep changing over the over the next years. Who knows, right? But um, but but that is so crucial, and. 
it is not easy for a startup to have that that uh, brand DNA or that guiding guiding you know um, north star f- from the, from the get go. You know, v- very often you see that in Silicon Valley with startups all the time. They're 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 one startup one day, then two days later they're another, and you're like, wait a minute, this is a totally different business you're in. <laughs> it's like there's, there's there's like nothing that um, that joins the two together. But with with, with with Thrive, that is never the case. Even though, like you said, the business models completely had to had to change as you got to know the space that you're in. Because none of you, it sounds like, were in the business of of food to, to start off with. That's uh, that's absolutely right. And you know, there's a story behind that too. Um, we we uh, uh, yeah, I, I actually believe that that was one of our greatest advantages in some ways because it did like we came with a beginner's mind to the space. Um, we also had some naivete, uh, and, you know, I guess a little bit of, um, uh, yeah, really just naivete in terms of not knowing how hard it was going to be that had we known how challenging it was going to be, we may not have actually embarked on it. You know, it was an opera, it's an operationally complex business. It's a low margin business. Uh, you know, we have more than a million square feet of warehouse space today. We're shipping, you know, literally tens of millions of product uh, of, of items, uh, on a, on a quarterly basis at this point. And so, you know, I think it actually enabled us to get going. Uh, it also made it really challenging early on because, you know, you, you mentioned kind of the Silicon Valley, uh, uh, you know, celebrating the pivot. Um, they also celebrate their kind of pattern recognition on, you know, funding entrepreneurs who are proven in their area. So despite the fact that Gennar and I had both started and sold businesses, when we went out and tried to fundraise, we got rejected by every single VC we talked to. And, you know, that was really tough early on. Um, it was both a time and a uh, energy stuck, but also pretty demoralizing, you know, and, sure. and, yeah. and I go back to the mission because uh, had we not had that North Star, had we not had the conviction, had the business not been so personal to us, you know, we might've pivoted and said, oh, I guess making healthy living accessible isn't really in the cards, uh, not a good idea. Let's try the next thing. But, you know, that wasn't an option for us because the mission was, was uh, you know, where we were at. So, so, so I mean, you know, y- you have now, you've, you have some rather well-known angel investors, uh, Deepak Chopra, <laughs> Tony Robbins, John Legend, Demi Moore, right? And, and, and a lot of VC firms now. But how back then when you said that you were rejected by a lot of VC firms in the beginning, was it because the idea sounded too ambitious to them? Or, or was it because they could not relate to the problem you set out to solve? I think it was all of the above. I think it was, the idea was very ambitious. I think it was, you know, are you guys really the right team to do it? You, you know, you don't have a grocery background. Um, I think it was also uh, very much uh, a, you know, the VCs that we were talking to were in New York, LA, San Francisco. They were wealthy. They tended to be men. You know, they tended to, to, to not do their own shopping, most likely, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm you know, kind of speculating. Um, and so they, they didn't personally experience the problem. And, you know, the people that do are, uh, you know, are the, um, are the people in the middle class, uh, in the Midwest, in the Southeast, um, people on a budget, uh, people that are looking to get healthy and may not have a Whole Foods right on the corner. And even if they do, uh, you know, probably can't afford it. Um, it's also people that are looking to get there and maybe don't know where to start, right? And are intimidated. And that's, you know, that is the majority of, of Americans when it comes to, you know, kind of sorting through the uh, m- misinformation and conflicting uh, points of view on health and wellness. So, you know, what was interesting is 
while the VCs didn't get it, um, you mentioned a few of the, the early um, angel investors, uh, they did. And we ended up raising, our, and this has become more popular now, but back at the time was pretty unheard of. Like we raised, um, I think the first $8 million in like $25 to $50,000 increments. Wow. And, you know, it was people like Adipak Chopra, who, you know, is in this space, whose audience uh, cares about these issues, who got it. It was visionaries like a Tony Robbins who, you know, just like immediately saw the, the potential and, and was excited by that versus afraid of the ambition, you know, and it was a lot of, you know, health and wellness influencers that, you know, a, like a lot of people haven't heard of, but have huge audiences out there that are just ordinary people wanting to live healthier, wanting to shop, you know, uh, shop their values, wanting to, um, you know, support the things that they care about. And so those people, you know, there was like mom bloggers and Instagrammers mm-hmm. and, and YouTube stars, like those were the people that got it immediately um, and, uh, and ended up funding the company um, before we got launched. You know, it was interesting. Once we launched and like the, the trajectory took off, all of a sudden the VCs all came back. <laughs> um, but it was the, you know, it was the angels who really came in and said, we can see this vision and we'll, we'll make a bet on it before it's obvious. Well, and I mean, if if you would if you would go back in time and you would do it again, you would most probably do it exactly that way. Um, because now having having influencers as the first investors, I mean, what an amazing way to spread the word. <laughs> I mean, it's like that wasn't even that that didn't even seem to be the strategy, but it must have it must have helped extremely to have you know people in the public eye, you know, with 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 huge amounts of of, of fans and followers to to be the first investors. Absolutely. It ended up being another one of those like kind of best things that happened to us Yeah, uh, where, you know, at the time it felt like one of the worst was not, you know, not getting institutional backing, but, you know, it did a number of things for us. You know, those investors were supportive of setting up governance from the beginning and baking the mission into the business in a way that wouldn't have been possible had we brought in institutional money uh, upfront. Um, and then to your point and really tied to the theme of this podcast it was just absolutely central to building the brand. Um, you know, instead of reaching our early members through paid paid media, instead of reaching them through ads, we were reaching them through trusted voices who had real authority and real credibility and real authenticity on these topics. And you know, we weren't primarily bringing in celebrities either, right? This wasn't bringing in a random celebrity who may have no connection to the health and wellness space. We we're bringing yeah, yeah. In all micro-influencers who were really the thought leaders uh, in different diet tribes and different values. And um, and that that was, I think, the most incredible kind of galvanizing thing for us. Um, they also helped inform how we thought about you know, the mission and, and the specifics of, okay, we want to make healthy living accessible. How do we serve the paleo community? How do we serve the low FODMAP community? How do we serve people that are gluten-free? And those influencers like kept us honest and, and helped and forced us to raise the bar and were really important sources of, of, of feedback and insight. Um, and then again, most most crucially, when we got out to our members, there's just no way you can overstate how important it is to reach uh, customers in an authentic way. And you can do that with paid media, but it's a lot harder. The way that's you know, really magical is when it's word of mouth, whether that be from influencers or you know your customers themselves. Absolutely. And how heaven sent that you didn't get those first 50 plus um, uh, VC firms. <laughs> I mean, exactly. 
Amazing, and that, and that's, and I think that that is what that is what the magic of uh, of, of 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 entrepreneurship and, uh, and 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 crafting brands and all of that is, right? It's like a, a lot of these. What, what what you see as a mishap or you know as it's kind of like you know you might you might brand it as a failure at the time when you go through it 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 it, it just it just gets you to that next to the next step uh, and you look back sometimes even days weeks or months after and you're like wow this was this was really good that that happened <laughs> it's 100% uh, it's amazing. So um, another thing that's really amazing is that for every paid membership, uh, you donate a free year of membership to a family in need. So with that being said, I want to make sure that our listeners understand the concept of Thrive Market. There, there is a there is a monthly or yearly fee, and because of that, you can have cost savings. So it's a lot like Costco, right? It, it has that kind of uh, familiarity to having 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 to pay a membership, and then you get uh, you get big savings in return. That's exactly right. Um, and, you know, early on, we iterated through different approaches to the business model, all aimed towards that mission of how do we make this accessible accessible to anybody? And, you know, the original way to drive the savings was we were going to do these group buying events. So we were thinking Groupon meets Whole Foods um, kind of model. Um, and for a variety of reasons that that didn't end up uh, really, uh, really working. Most people don't want to wait two weeks for a specific buying event to buy specific groceries. It feels like Tupperware. It was a Tupperware party. <laughs> exactly. And it's a, so that was, that was, that was challenging. That was a challenge. And then we started studying Costco and saw this like amazing model where, you know, you have the cash flow benefits of people paying a membership fee up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the margin that is driven for the business from that, which then enables Costco to go out and really drive savings in a, in a, in a powerful kind of uh, unmatched way across the products that they buy. Uh, the other thing Costco does is they really curate their catalog. So pe- people might not notice this, but when you go into Costco, there's actually an order of magnitude fewer SKUs. It's like you know five to 6,000 instead of 50 or 60,000 that you might find in a place like Walmart. And that focus allows them to also drive more volume with their partners, have more efficient operations, which they then pass on through savings as well. So we, we studied Costco and just had huge admiration for what they were able to do. Um, and, you know, by the way, on the back end, they also treat their employees really well. Right. And their model is able to support, you know, really um, equitable and fair treatment uh, of, their, um, of their internal communities. So you know, huge admiration for that business and thought, all right, this is the way that we can bring healthy products uh, really to the masses and, and get these organic and natural products at the price of conventional. So, you know, the model is people pay $60 a year, equivalent of $5 a month. Um, that gives them not only the discounts, but also increasingly, you know, we built this platform that's just purpose built to make the whole process of buying healthy and natural products easy. Um, I mentioned before how intimidating that can be for a lot of people. You've also got a lot of people that have, you know, specific dietary needs, and in some cases, in their family, multiple specific dietary needs. So if uh, you know, uh, one person is gluten free, and their partner is, uh, you know, dairy free, and they've got a child with a nut allergy, mm-hmm. you know, good luck do it with that shopping list, you know, at a conventional grocery store. Thrive makes it easy where you can just literally click three filters, and you find all the products that work for everyone. Um, and then, you know, on the, on the data side, we also do all this personalization that, you know, basically builds a, a special my aisle for each member. Um, so, you know, we're really proud of the way that, that the platform in terms of savings uh, and in terms of experience, um, and then also in terms of the curation and, and quality standards um, makes healthy living accessible. But back to your point about the giving, one of the things that did trouble us at the beginning was, you know, all right, so 
this is great for anyone that can pay $60 a year, but what about those people that can't? Yeah. Um, so we, we actually took a page from at the time, you know, uh, Tom shoes was getting going with their one for one model. And we said, can we do this with membership? And what we realized is it actually works even better with membership. You know, when you do a shoe drop, if you're Tom shoes, that's a cost center for your business. If we give a membership to a low income family, there's actually no cost to mm-hmm. our business. And in fact, if that family then purchases on Thrive, it's driving more volume. So it's actually feeding the positive, you know, the scale benefits that we can get as a business. So that was something we did from day one. It was good for our business. Uh, it was it was good for the, the 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 those members who came in without paying. What we also found, and we didn't totally predict at the time, was it was like massively accretive to our brand because our our paying members really felt good about it. Um, and it became a reason to believe, a reason to share a Thrive Market, um, and a reason to stay loyal over time. So, you know, since that that program launched back at the beginning of the business, we've we've really invested in it in a variety of different ways. One of the one of the ones that's been most impactful is we actually allow our paid members at checkout to donate a portion of their savings on the order uh, to the shopping budgets of our gives members. So our typical Interesting. Uh, members make you know they're placing an eighty dollar order. They're saving basically half the annual membership fee on every order on average, which is pretty incredible. And it's and the question that they get at checkout is, do you want to donate a portion of that to someone that that may need it even more than you? Um, and we see really high uh, rates of rates of donation. We also were able to you know shift those donation dollars to focus on specific causes at you know critical times. So like during the pandemic, we focused all of those gives dollars on families directly affected by COVID nineteen. Um, more recently, we've actually partnered with an organization serving refugees uh, coming out of Ukraine, and we use those dollars to create food access outside of the U.S. and outside of our member community for uh, for refugees from the, from from the war there. Um, and so, it's been just really amazing to see the way we can facilitate the generosity of our members. And you know, the magic there isn't us; it really is the member community. But uh, we uh, we're able to 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 drive that, and then we benefit from it. You know, back to brand, it becomes a core part of like what we stand for, who we are, how our members see us, and how they talk about us when they share us with their friends. So the idea of doing good is good is good business. It's good for business. Um, is a hundred percent signed by you, right? I mean, that is that is something that you hundred percent look eye to eye to. What 1000%, you know, and I think we we've just seen that on so many different levels that, you know, whether it's the the gives membership model has has been a core part of our brand, whether it's like on the sustainability side, like we did, we invested in carbon neutral shipping from the day that we launched. And at the time, like, you know, people didn't, it wasn't really on people's radar screens. Now it is, and we're a leader and we have the programming and the communications and the and the transparency to our members in a way that that very few others do. Um, and uh, and you know, and we and I think we've also seen it with kind of our our stakeholder-driven model in general. Like we uh, we focus on our members, but we also focus on on being great brand partners to our our brands and like. You know, our brand is the Thrive Market brand, but it's also this like we're a marketplace for all of these incredible, innovative, you know, inspiring, uh, healthy and sustainable brands. And so, you know, by being at that mission driven business and sometimes doing things that don't make short term sense for our business, but help our brands, you know, over the long run, we've we built a much stronger business. So, 
Yeah, we we absolutely believe that profit and purpose go together. We think our growth wouldn't have been possible without uh, without the mission. And like you know, it's the reason that we started the business. So for us, it is our you know it's our, it's our reason for being. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think. I, I think that ideology um, really demands to be acquired by any company. I mean, I'm even talking B2B companies, right? Uh, it, it it seems something that uh, the mind shift had, has has changed, and, uh, and 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 a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, still don't quite quite get that. Um, but 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 it is it, it has already happened, right? And I think that it's. Uh, I, I think that there are some amazing times ahead um, of, of how of how business can actually positively impact uh, this planet. Um, I, I totally agree, and I think I think if entrepreneurs if they haven't gotten it, they're they're getting hit over the head with it uh, mm -hmm. at this point. Because you know, one thing I didn't mention, but I think it's been crucial for us is that mission uh, is an absolute magnet for talent, um, and in a, you know an environment where. Uh, there's the, the great resignation and people are more mobile than ever. Um, and like consumers, you know, people are, you know, at, in their work lives are saying, I want to, I want to uh, be part of companies that have purpose. I want to, I want to align how I spend my work day with my values. Um, it's just, it is such an enormous competitive advantage if you're doing it. And I think such a, uh, uh, will create a lot of adverse selection if you're not. Um, so uh, I think that's I think that's totally totally the case. And and by, by the way, one other thing to add in there, it's even becoming the case for investors, even institutional mm -hmm. investors. You it's know, like changing, when we yeah. were out at the beginning, it was like, ooh, carbon neutral shipping. How much is that going to cost? Um, ooh, you want to be a B Corp? That like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't ever be able to go public as a B Corp. Well, now all that's changing. You know, yeah. public market investors are are interested in uh, you know they the they call it ESG. Which is an acronym we mm -hmm. like we never use, but it's now like a core part of uh, of uh, you know their investment theses of you know big public mutual funds. You've got you know BlackRock, the largest asset manager in the world, that has made you know uh, uh, environmental and social good and diversity and inclusion core parts of the way that they uh, invest and vote uh, vote their shares. Amazing, yeah, amazing developments, and and you you talked about uh, you know how HR will love you, right? Like if you actually have mission as as, as one of the fundamental you know parts of your parts of your uh, company's DNA. Um, for you though, I'm sure a lot of listeners think about well, those are people that are sitting behind the computers, right, in an office uh, or these day remote. Um, but in reality, I mean, for you, it must be. I mean, just hundreds, if not thousands of people working um, at the actual warehouse, right? I mean, the fulfillment center. I mean, those are those are not the highest paying jobs. Um, and it's a commodity. It's, it's really, really hard to find these people these days and to have them actually stick around. I assume, I know nothing about this, but I could just assume that that must have been a really, really hard thing, especially during your, during your growth times. That's true. I mean, we've we've been um, you know, multiplying the number of fulfillment center workers, basically, you know, in lockstep with the growth of the business uh, over time. Uh, I mentioned before that we have more than a million square feet of warehouse space. Amazing. So, like, we have three massive, multi-hundred thousand square foot fulfillment centers at this point. Um, and you know, the the all of those orders, those tens of millions of items that are shipped out every quarter. Um, are yeah, that's that's an individual picker packer uh, involved in, in in every every one of those. So yeah, at this point, we have more than two thirds of our employees uh, work in those fulfillment centers. 
um, and you know, for like our business interests, and then just at like at like a personal and human level, it is so critical that we are doing right by them. You know, they are the frontline workers. They are the ones that are, uh, you know, directly touching the product that goes to our members. Like without them, it literally doesn't happen. Um, and particularly during the pandemic, you know, they were truly like the heroes. They were the ones yeah. out there earlier, early in COVID where, you know, we didn't know a lot about the virus. We didn't know as much about how it was transmitted. We didn't have the vaccines. Um, and, you know, these folks were going into uh, the fulfillment centers every day to make sure that our members uh, were able to get uh, healthy products at a time with during the lockdowns, especially people you know, literally couldn't go to the grocery store. So, you know, it's, uh, I think, had we taken the approach that some other businesses take towards their fulfillment center workers, we would have had a lot of trouble going through that period. Mm-hmm. And instead, you know, the approach that we've taken since day, since day one has been, you know, really celebrate and, uh, and appreciate uh, the work that these people do um, and how crucial it is for our business um, and reward them with, you know, not only fair pay, but good benefits, you know, access to the same benefits that I have as, as, as CEO, the program's no different Um, and also equity. So that's like a huge thing for us that we've been committed to since day one. It's, you know, no matter what role you are in the company uh, you have the opportunity to earn equity. And, you know, I was out actually at our, our, our fulfillment center in Reno a few weeks ago and you go in there and it's just like the energy is just palpable and, Mm -hmm. It is, you know, people are pumped about Thrive Market. They're wearing their Thrive Market swag. Uh, they're excited about what they're doing. They feel connected to the purpose. They're owners in the business. Um, and I haven't been a lot of in a lot of fulfillment centers outside of Thrive, but it's not how I imagine uh, <laughs> most of them most of them being. And um, you know, honestly, like the, like what those what they do and the 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 work they do to me is really inspiring. Um, and I think a lot of our thrivers across the rest of the organization feel that way, um, because without without those guys, it doesn't happen. Well, and that immediately brings up pictures of um, of, of the warehouses of Amazon, um, which makes me wonder how has Amazon purchasing Whole Foods back in uh, I believe it was 2017. How has that affected your brand? Because at that time, you've you've already been around for quite a few years. Yeah, they. I mean, so it was 2015 or 2016, and we were. Uh, I guess only two years in, and honestly, like we we had a lot of investors that called us frank frantically when that happened. <laughs> what are you sure. going to do? Like you know, Amazon's <laughs> in the game. This is the worst possible thing that could happen. Um, and you know, the truth is, like we have never viewed ourselves as competitive to Amazon. Um, you know, Amazon is on a very different mission. You know, they want to do more, faster, cheaper, basically at all costs. Um, so it's 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 kind of you know, they talk about customer obsession. It's really the almost the opposite of a stakeholder-driven business, and mm-hmm. um, they've clearly been very successful at it. I don't think anyone's going to out Amazon, Amazon, and for us, fortunately, that's not what we're trying to do. You know, I sometimes call us the un-everything store because you know Amazon <laughs> wants to have every product. We actually only want to have the best products. You know, if you go on Amazon, you can find thousands of results for almond butter. We want to have the five or six that are really you know vetted, uh, meet our quality standards, and they can be trusted to make that that you know healthy healthy um, healthy living choice easy. Um, so you know it's been very interesting. Whole Foods, we always kind of saw ourselves as taking the baton from Whole Foods, where 
you know, Whole Foods was the that first generation of the natural organic movement, and they did amazing things with quality standards and sourcing and helping like drive innovation and being this platform for innovative brands. And yet, because of their price point and because they were brick and mortar, they just literally were not access- accessible to most Americans. You know, less than five percent of income earners can afford those kinds of price premiums. You know, they were only within driving distance; still are only within driving distance of about half of American families. So, uh, you know, we always saw our our opportunity and our goal to take that baton and like open it up, bring that to the masses by being online, shipping anywhere in the country, being at price points that anyone can afford. It's been interesting as Whole Foods uh, has been integrated to Amazon, the way I, de- I describe it as kind of the Amazonification of Whole Foods. And they've certainly brought the prices down, but they've also, I think, relaxed the quality standards. Um, so, you know, if you go into Whole Foods now, you buy, you find Honey Nut Cheerios, for example, and that's a product you will never find. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah. I, and so, you know, there's not the commitment to, to non-GMO. You're going to find more conventional products now. They've centralized the buying, which is much more efficient, but also means there's not going to be as much innovation. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm nothing against Amazon. We're not anti-Amazon. Uh, we're just doing something very different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, I feel like the fact that, Whole Foods has Amazonified has just opened our opportunity even more to really plant our flag in the place for for quality, for trust, um, and to be that go to that go to source for healthy living. And the pandemic has opened people's eyes uh, to, to to not only how we can get pretty much anything delivered to our home, talking about uh, Amazon, um, but also how much shipping to every doorstep is negatively affecting our planet. Um, there's been a lot of reports about that. Thrive has been recognized, though, and, and we talked about this quite a bit, um, as a leader in regenerative agri- agriculture, which we haven't talked about, but carbon-neutral shipping, zero-waste operations, and uh, in 2020 became the nation's largest grocer to receive B Corp certification, as you mentioned. Is it is it better for the environment to order online from Thrive versus driving to your local organic grocery store? Or is that too hard of a question to answer because it really depends? I mean, I'm sure it depends on the specifics um, uh, because the, you know, the downside of e-commerce is you have the packaging to ship it, right, uh, from the from the warehouse. Um, you also, you know, have the transportation costs. Though I think the carbon footprint on shipping in a in a you know uh, a trailer is quite a bit lower than if you add up the carbon footprint from all the people you know commuting back and forth to the store. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it depends on the length of the commute. It depends what the supply chains of the right. grocery store look like. It depends on a lot of a lot of things. I think the reality is, um, you know, the world is moving towards e-commerce. And uh, in 10 years, you're going to have a lot more people getting a lot more things uh, in boxes online than you are, you know, driving to the, to the grocery store. And so I think the the more relevant question we think for the future is how do you make e-commerce as sustainable as possible? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's around offsetting the carbon footprint and we're, we're carbon neutral on all of our shipping. Um, it's about packaging reduction, um, which is not just reducing the amount of packaging that you use per order, but also increasing the size of the orders, right? So like a, a, on Amazon, you see a lot of orders that are one, two, three items, um, you know, and, and I think we've all done that, right? Where you just like, yeah, oh, yeah. I know. 
and here comes your batteries by themselves in a box with a bunch of plastic. A huge box usually too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and you know, that again, they're focused on maniacally serving the customers and, and, and whatever the customer wants is what the, what they'll get. We ask our customers, our members to shop in a little bit different way, which is, you know, create a larger order um, that is going to be actually easier for you to get, right. Instead of getting like onesie twosies and all your groceries, you get everything in one box, um, but that order, which has you know 14 items on average, $80 average order value, it both supports our business model. It also is much, much better from an environmental standpoint than shipping all of these, uh, you know, uh, basically empty boxes with one or two items, um, which then immediately go into the garbage. Um, we've we've done a lot too to reduce plastic. So we're you know we're 98% virgin plastic free. Uh, so instead of finding like the plastic bubble wrap in a Thrive box, you find this. Uh, recycled paper Giami product that uses a kind of honeycomb structure to create the padding. Uh, we, when we launched Frozen, we innovated uh, to get rid of styrofoam. Um, so we use a recycled denim that has a similar R factor to styrofoam, oh, wow. but yet is you know completely recycled material and actually compostable. So there's you know there's so much innovation happening now on the material side. Um, the carbon market and carbon offsets market has just exploded uh, as more companies have. have have looked to do something in a good way. They've been pressured now by their, by consumers. So, you know, we think there's a a real consumer movement underway towards, you know, not just being healthy for their bodies, but also contributing to the health of the planet and the health of communities. And, you know, we did this stuff back in the day because it was the right thing to do. Now I actually do feel like it's one of the most core and accretive things to our brand that we have all that stuff baked in it's, you know, we don't have to be putting lipstick on a pig and mm-hmm. kind of dressing it up and acting like it's, it's something else. Like it's just the real thing that we've been doing since day one and it's who we are. And I think, uh, you know, consumers are very, are very attuned to the authenticity and the, the, um, uh, you know, whether, whether, whether companies are doing it for the right reasons and in the right way. Right, absolutely. I, he, here's here's a big question, which uh, which I assume you might get asked every now and then. Um, will Thrive start shipping fresh produce anytime soon? <laughs> it is a it is a major reason many people are hesitant to join, since they associate the concept and benefits of um, organic, right, with with fruits, vegetables, and they would still have to drive to the grocery store to get those items. What what keeps Thrive from going down that route? Uh, I, I assume it must be a, a mixture of logistics and carbon footprint concerns. Or, yeah, it's it's a great question. It's one I, I didn't even need people to ask me that. I ask myself <laughs> all the time. Um, and you know, little known fact, back in 2016, we actually did a fresh pilot in California. So this has been on our mind for a long time. Um, to your point, like a core part, like the core part of having a healthy diet is eating. Um, you know, fresh foods and having a diet base and in, 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 in vegetables and and fruit and 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 there's non-perishable products too that are in that mix, but obviously fresh is core to it. The way that we've thought about it historically is um, from a member standpoint, you know, 50% of what most people buy in the grocery store is non-perishable. So if you can save, uh, you know, 20 to 30% on that portion of your of your assortment, get it to thrive you'll put it on auto ship. And those are the things that it's, you know, it's not like a banana or an avocado where you need to see if it's ripe. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest stuff to buy online. And the majority of people aren't buying all of their things at one grocery store anyway. 
they're going to a few different places. So for our members today, the idea is like make your grocery store half strip uh, grocery store trip half as long, make it easier, and have one of your places that you get you know all of your non-perishables be Thrive Market. Um, in the future, we would love to be that place where you can buy it all. Um, and you know you hit the nail on the head. There are real challenges to uh, to doing that logistically, environmentally. Um, and then also from a financial viability standpoint as a business, you know, there's all of these companies now that are doing out there like in this race to the bottom on same day delivery and, you know, setting aside how just disastrous that is from a carbon footprint and environmental standpoint, it's also a business model that's very hard to make work. And, you know, at this point, the jury's out on whether it even can work, hmm. you know, you hear about some of these, uh, these like instant grocery concepts that are that are literally losing tens or even a hundred dollars per order, which is um, you know it's just it's not going to play out well over the long run. So we've been very committed to doing some, doing things at the right time that are sustainable for our business that we know can be sustainable uh, for the planet, and then also that we can do with an experience that's really good. And I think most people that ordered groceries during the pandemic probably had at least one or maybe a lot more experiences where it just wasn't, you know, the quality of the produce wasn't good. It got jostled or damaged in, mm -hmm. in transit, et cetera. So we spent a lot of time thinking about it. We spent a lot of time observing what others are doing. We've spent some time already thinking about the supply chain and the way to, way to fulfill. Um, I won't say anything about when uh, or how, but uh, it's definitely <laughs> it's on our mind. Very, very fair, and I had a feeling that uh, that it would go down that uh, that route makes makes tons of sense to me. As we as we're slowly coming coming towards the end um, here, big big question um, on on my mind. Uh, you know, for someone like you who's been successfully running running this uh, this this business now, and you've been going through different businesses in your life, um, you, uh, you 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 got the the, the Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year um, uh, National Award. Uh, what what does branding mean to you? I mean, you branded, uh, you, you know, th throughout throughout the years, you brand, you you were part of branding processes, um, and we talked about it a little bit offline um, before. But what does branding mean to you? It's, I mean, it's a great question. I feel like I've I've gotten an education in branding um, <laughs> over the last few years as we've worked to codify our brand and articulate it and make it really scalable and consistent. So there is there is an art and there's a science to that that you know I'm still a learner of, um, but I think the, like what I would say what it means to me at a very core level, um, and what I've learned what I've taken away even as I've learned more about the art and science of branding, is that there has to be something at the core of a brand that is authentic. It can't just all be manufactured and created. No matter how talented the branding team is, no matter how on point or on trend. The messages you come up with, if it does, if it's not rooted in reality, if there's not something in your values, in your mission, and in, in your reason for being that's tied to that brand, I think it all it doesn't hang together. And you know, very interestingly, I think we, for a long time, we're probably not that good, and we're still getting better at the like art and science of branding. But what carried us through, and what has what continues to still carry us through, is the authenticity of the brand. And as I said, for us, the brand and the mission are two sides of the same coin. And, and I think consumers today are wiser than ever to identifying if a brand is real versus manufactured. So I think there's a lot there in terms of what branding can be. But to me, the core is 
it has to start with something that you authentically believe in. You know, what do you stand for? What is your identity as a company? What's your reason for being? Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. If you if you take um, the Thrive Market uh, brand uh, as such, and we we talked about it for the last forty or so minutes, um, and you you would put it through a funnel, um, and and out comes only one or two words. Um, what would be the essence of the brand? So if we think about Sappos, for Sappos it's all about customer service. So th their word is like is wow, right? <laughs> for Everlane, it's transparency. What what is one word that can describe your brand? I mean, this is going to seem like a total cop-out, but the word really <laughs> is, it really is Thrive. Um, you know, that is why we landed on that name. That's why it resonated so deeply when, when Kate suggested it. Um, and uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the experience that we want our members to have. We want them to be able to thrive. And when we think about what it takes for human beings to thrive, to flourish, um, you know, and if there's some, a lot of things where it's different for different people, but at a fundamental level, if you're not healthy, um, if your community isn't healthy, if your planet's not healthy, like you, can, you don't thrive as an individual and we can't thrive together. And so we think what we're doing is at a very fundamental level, helping people to thrive, making that easier, making it more affordable, making it more accessible. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the through line. I don't think it's a cop out. I think it's actually um, it's it's a testament to to how how from the beginning on like that has not changed. And we talked about this, right? That 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 um, you know North Star is always has always been the same, which is which is fantastic. Talking about um, you know always being the same in the North Star. Well, what's next for the Thrive brand? W what are you really excited about in the next six months that you can publicly disclose? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, we're we're at a stage now where it's really. Uh, maybe those are the wrong metaphor, but like fuel on the fire, right? Mm -hmm. Like our, the core model is, is working. Our members are renewing at really high rates. We're attracting new members in our number one source of new members is actually referrals of existing members. So, you know, we talk a lot about like the positive flywheels, flywheels in the business, and they're really turning. And the way we think about the, you know, not just the next six months or the next year, but the next 10 years is how do we feed that? You know, the number one way that we feed all the flywheels in our business is just by delivering incredible value to our members. And that's value that's both like practical, right? So we're expanding uh, the, the, uh, the catalog into new categories. You talked about fresh. We, we've recently launched frozen. Uh, we did a push into wine a couple of years ago. Um, we're continuously expanding our own branded products. So these are the products that you can only find on Thrive Market, where we are actually going up the supply chain and innovating. And we haven't didn't talk about this a lot today, but really pushing into regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, we're starting to launch brands as well in different categories outside of food. So we've got we launched our well-made brand and supplements. We just launched a beauty brand called Faye. We're, we launched a new cleaning brand called Rosie. Um, so you know, continuing to create differentiation. We're and and, and sorry, sorry to interrupt, but when you when you launch these brands, do you mean you help them launch on your platform, or is it literally the the the, the Costco Kirkland, but it is your those own are brand? yeah those are brands that are control brands, so they are mm -hmm. owned and created by Thrive Market. Amazing. You know, the biggest of those is our Thrive Market brand, which is five hundred plus products, and that's you know a quarter of our sales. But now we're also saying, all right, like let's create, let's find cat other categories where the brand equities might be slightly different and build a brand uh, there that makes sense for that category. So that's been super fun and, and just like an incredible new opportunity for, for innovation. Um, you know, we're continually investing in personalization. 
uh, we, and we believe that that is going to be at the forefront of this like movement towards healthy living. What, what is healthy is different for different people. And as people get more and more information about, uh, you know, their own, like their blood glucose levels, their, uh, uh, their food sensitivities, um, their blood biomarkers, like that's going to over the next X years really inform, uh, the diets that they pursue and the types of products that they, that they consume. Um, and then we're also, you know, there's another area of value to our members, which is really that like experience of voting with their, with their dollars and knowing that the, the businesses they support align with their personal values. So we're just continuing to double down on, you know, basically our values, which is creating sustainable supply chains, investing in, um, in the future of, of our planet. One of our big uh, goals over the next few years is to become what we call a, 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 a planet positive or climate positive grocery store. And uh, that means going beyond just zero waste, uh, which we already are, or carbon neutral to say, how can we actually be a regenerative company? You know, the same way regenerative agriculture is doing net positive for the environment. Mm-hmm. How can we as an entire business do that? So, you know, just always raising the bar there. Uh, is is a huge focus. And like I said, this is what we're going to do for the next six months, the next year and the next 10 years. Amazing. Amazing. Very, very good. Well, listen, how, how can how can people um, get get to know get to know Thrive? Where, where do they start? How can they follow online? Yeah, you can go to thrivemarket.com. Um, you can sign up for a membership. It's risk-free for the first month. So if you don't, you know, don't, doesn't, doesn't work for you for whatever reason, uh, uh, it's totally refundable in the first month. Um, again, it's $60 a year, turns out to $5 a month. And most members make back their membership fee, uh, and savings within the two first two purchases. Nick, thank you so much for spending, uh, an, an almost an hour with us this, this morning. I know your time is very valuable. I, I now know what you have to do the next couple of months. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you. Thank you again for, for the time and for the, for the insights and, and for sharing your story. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. The Thrive brand in one word, if you ask me, remarkable. Remarkable on so many fronts. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, subscribe, rate, and please share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. The episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.